You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hey everybody, it's Robin here again for another episode of Parenting Our Future, and I have a great surprise for you. <laughs> that's right, I'm a total dad joke. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not as funny as I think it is. Um, so I am really excited to bring somebody who I know you're gonna love. He is his name is Mike Rossell, and uh, he is a teacher. He's a psychologist and a professor uh, emeritus at Southern uh, Oregon University. He has studied life-changing events for over three decades. His pioneering work draws on research from a wide variety of brain sciences that show when children are most receptive to transforming comments. I love it. Mike now lives in Edmonton, Alberta with his, uh, with his spouse. And we were just talking as a daughter that lives in Vancouver. So we have so much in common. I love it. Mike, welcome to my show. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Robin, and thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm re- I'm pretty excited too because as a parent now, a grandparent, uh, you know, those are our most important roles in life. I've mm-hmm. done lots of interesting things, but nothing as important as a parent and a grandparent. And yeah. uh, but you know, come 
coming shortly after that would be teaching. I love teaching. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I am extremely biased uh, that parenting is the most important job that we do, period, end of story. But I would absolutely agree that a close second is definitely our grandparents and teachers. I love teachers. They're amazing. So um, thank you for being here. And like, let's talk about surprises. Like what we're going to be talking all about that and really the way surprise creates a change in the brain, right? Right. Essentially. Okay. So take it away. Please tell, like start from the beginning, if, if you will, because I think this is so cool because we're going to be talking about how this can create <clears throat> different behavior or reactions or different uh, understanding in your kids. So this is really relevant to everybody listening. Oh, great. Sure. Um, this started uh, when, when I was a, a, a young parent and I was also a teacher and uh, I went to a hypnosis show. And, uh, you know, th those are fun. They're entertaining. You know, hey, you're, uh, you're in the Arctic now. And people would start to shiver and, yeah. and those kinds of things. Hey, you're, a, you're an outstanding singer or outstanding dancer. And, they, and you know, the, the subjects have put on this amazing performance. And I go, and I, wow, this is so cool. Uh, I want to learn hypnosis. And so I, uh, you know, this is pre-internet. Uh, so I went and got a whole bunch of books and read up about hypnosis because I wanted to see if I could, you know, do the, create little beliefs in people and they would respond mm. accordingly. And, right. and so, so I used hypnotized everybody and had lots of fun, fun with that. You know, like an insurance salesman, your audience, your first audience is all your family and friends and anybody <laughs> that you know, right? Right. So right. I, I hypnotized all of them and ran out of people to hypnotize. And I had a lot of fun with it, learned a lot about hypnosis. And then, uh, but I'm a teacher now. So I think, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hypnotize my students. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's you a good thing you're a good guy. Don't do that. <laughs> but, okay. but, so I contacted uh, the... I wrote letters to the parents, you know, and I said, and this was back in the, back in the seventies and eighties. I wrote uh, to the parents said, Hey, I'd like to hypnotize your kids. Are you okay with that? They knew me. They said, sure, by all means, maybe you can tell them to pick up the, uh, the garbage and clean the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, something's never changed. <laughs> <laughs> so they were just fine with that. And so, um, but, but I'm having all this fun with hypnosis and uh, learning a lot about hypnosis. And the question used to keep up coming up were, what if you hypnotize somebody and they didn't know about it? Or what if you hypnotize somebody and they stayed hypnotized forever? And I thought, those are such cool questions. So why not go to the University of Oregon? I was living in Edmonton at the time. Why not go to the University of Oregon and do a PhD and study those questions? Wow, and I did. And so I, I learned that uh, because what I really wanted to know is how can you give somebody a comment and it changes their belief momentarily that they think they're cold and they start to shiver? How can you do that? Can you do it permanently? Can you do it with children and students? And can you then instill positive beliefs? And I thought that's the coolest thing. That's what I want to study. And so I found out, uh, by all means, there's, uh, there's ways that hypno hypnosis is not a, it's a scientific phenomenon and, and mm -hmm. it hooks into uh, people when they're receptive. 
And I wanted to learn what is it, when is it that people are receptive to comments? So the actual title of my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation is Hypnotic Conditions in the Classroom. Mm. And that's what I studied. So uh, let me move on to what happened after that. Uh, I started studying and looking at stories of formative moments, st stories when kids or even adults suddenly change their beliefs about something and then starting acting accordingly. Uh, let me give you an example of what I would call a formative moment. Here's one from Lori. Uh, uh, she, she was an adult. These are mostly adults recalling moments from their youth. So Lori uh, used to believe she was uh, a little awkward and ungraceful looking, and she worried that people didn't like her because of that. And then one night, she overheard her aunt's friend say, refer to her as exotic looking. Whoa. And that, that surprised her. And in that moment of surprise, everything changed. And since that time, she says, she felt, oh, yeah, I'm exotic looking. And so mm -hmm. she embraced that. And so now, and you know how beliefs perpetu perpetuate themselves. Absolutely. So yeah. when she believed she was odd looking and gangly, uh, she, she would see those little casual glances cast her way as aversion. But now mm -hmm. that she believes she's exotic looking, she sees, you know, people look at her and she feels like, oh, they're looking at me because I'm attractive because mindsets and beliefs perpetuate themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so these kinds of stories fascinated me. I collected hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these stories. And I, I, I wrote a book about this uh, back in 2007. It's called uh, Sudden Impact, Spontaneous Events That Change Our Lives. And at the time, I thought it was emotional arousal because these were all moments of emotion. And then one day back in, I think it was 2016 or 2017, I'm pouring over my stories and I realize, you know what all these stories have in common? They're mm. moments of surprise. Mm. So then I spent five years studying surprise and writing about moments of surprise and trying to figure out what is it about surprise that makes you receptive to a comment. And if that is indeed true, and it is, can we operationalize that? Can we yeah. learn to use surprise strategically to give students healing moments or children mm -hmm. uh, moments that they can believe in themselves? And it was a fascinating journey and hence my book. And now this interview with you, Robin. <laughs> well, okay, so this is really, this is really interesting. And I have a bunch of questions for you. So we're talking about formative moments, we're talking and, and it's very true, right? There are moments where, okay, actually, let me ask you, what's the difference between shock and surprise? Because what comes to mind for me is 9-11, right? That was a massive shock, a major surprise, right? I remember just turning on the TV and like, what? What is this? And then immediately, you know, that was the next few days of my life was glued to the TV, right? Right. Uh, well, well, and thanks for bringing that up. Let me, uh, uh, because I really need, do need to clarify terms about surprise and shock and startle. For instance, startle, we startle. often think that they're the same thing. A startle is a physiological response, door mm -hmm. slams, and the, the noise startles us. But that's not a surprise. Well, it may have been a surprise if the door slammed, but you're not surprised because you know doors can slam. So you didn't learn anything. 
A surprise is belief-based. Surprise is that you believe something and it goes against your belief. For instance, if you believe that frogs can't fly and you see a flying frog, <laughs> you're going to be surprised. Right, right. <laughs> because you have a belief that frogs don't fly. Mm. So a, a surprise is belief-based. So when you were surprised with 9-11, you thought, oh, attacks can't happen to big buildings and uh, planes don't fly into buildings and create all this chaos. So you were surprised and you were surprised, but it didn't change you, maybe made you a little more fearful, mm -hmm. but you're still the same person. <clears throat> Those right. kinds of surprises are fascinating, but that's not what I study. Okay, okay. And okay. the, because uh, uh, I want to study surprises that change you, the person. Okay. Now, let me clarify the difference. Let's say that you had, you saw uh, a panda in your backyard in Vancouver. You'd be surprised <laughs> because you yep. believe pandas don't exist in Vancouver, certainly not running through my backyard. Right. So you're going to be surprised. Now, with a surprise, because you believe pandas don't exist there, you have to solve this. You have to figure out what just happened. Why is there a panda in my backyard? You might run outside and see if there's panda tracks or is it, you, you, you're trying to figure this out. Did, is there a pan, is there a friend playing a trick on me? Is there a, what, what the heck is going on? Is that somebody dressed in a costume? Is there, is there a movie set going around here? And I, I didn't hear about it. There's lots of movies in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So what's going on? And then, that's gonna consume you all day long. You're gonna to go to work and you're gonna tell somebody, hey, I saw a panda in my backyard. Did you <laughs> hear anything? You know, so it, it's gonna be on the you know, front of your mind all day long until you come home and you look at the news and the news says, hey, there was a zoo break. Uh, there was right. a caravan of animals and a anaconda and a gorilla and a panda escaped, but they're, we're all, they're all captured now except for that anaconda. <laughs> now you're a little worried, <laughs> but you may meaning of the surprise. Okay, okay. Interesting story did not change you. But now we know the, that's, that's how surprises work because from an evolutionary point of view, a surprise usually meant immense danger or imminent opportunity. Right, yes. Right? When you were surprised. So uh, you had to act quickly to avoid the danger or take advantage of the opportunity. Okay. Yeah. If you, stop to, if you stop to think about it, mm. well, you didn't make it to the gene pool. That tiger ate you, or you missed that uh, opportunity to, uh, you know, mate or get food or whatever that was that, that was necessary for our ancestors. So uh, we ended up this with this predisposition to learn instantly during a moment of surprise. It's a survival mechanism. We still have it to this day. Hmm. So let's tap into that. Now, now that we know how surprise works and why we have it, what does a surprise look like that changes somebody and uh, changes some, how someone feels about themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, let's think about Lori who overheard her aunt's friends comment about exotic looking. Mm -hmm. She believed that she was plain looking or ungraceful and odd looking. And then her friend said, or her aunt's friends overheard, she was exotic looking. So just like you have to make sense of that panda, mm -hmm. she has to make sense of exotic looking. 
for you, when you're trying to make sense of the panda, you can wait for the evening news. You can go around and check it. But with beliefs we have about our self-concept and our self-esteem, we can't check that with anybody, can we? We, we can't look it up on the internet. We can't go and find an encyclopedia. We can't go to Wikipedia. We can't, we can't solve that, but we do. And this is how we solve it. This is the little nuance that makes all the difference. Because in order for you to solve a surprise about your self-concept, your mind instantly does a Google search <laughs> to confirm. And the thing about the mind is it always looks for positive instances of things. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. It's like, well, that's what confirmation bias is. If you believe that the prime minister Trudeau or president Biden yeah, to your listeners, if you believe that that person's a good person and that's has right. the country in mind, then you will see evidence of that everywhere because that's, it's called confirmation bias. We, we, once we have a belief, it drives what we look for. Right. So, so now we're, let's get back to Lori because she believes now or wonders, am I exotic looking? Her brain does this instant Google search in milliseconds. Yeah. With, in the search bar, it says exotic looking, moments of exotic looking. Well, just like Google, if you put it, it comes up with thousands and thousands of pages, millions of hits. And so that affirms, yeah, yeah. I am exotic looking. Mm. There's all the confirmation and affirmation she needs. Mm. So now when she walks around and someone glances at her and she goes, oh, yeah, I'm exotic looking. You know, but this all takes place unconsciously. I, I can totally imagine how that would work. Uh, you surprised me with something that you had a story. About, it was an anecdote about somebody else that you surprised and surprised me. Uh, you said that um, spelling is not an indication of intelligence, right? And I'm a bad speller. I'm just not the best speller. I've gotten better over the years, but um, I was like, oh, there we go. I'm not, I, I mean, I don't think I'm unintelligent in any way, but it was like, oh, that's such a relief. <laughs> well, yes. And, and like, 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 um, and I think that that's probably an anecdote from my book. Yes. And I remember his, uh, this, this story, it was, and I've heard several stories just like this. And this was Michael and he was, uh, I he was a graduate student. He was probably in his thirties and uh, he wanted to become a teacher. In his second career in his life, his goal, and uh, he he recalled this moment where uh, he he was in a, a junior college, and um, he thought, well, I'll never be able to be a good teacher because I'm not smart enough. I can't even spell well. Mm. And this, and he was working hard at 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 his you know at, his, at the junior college, trying to get accepted into an education program, and. Um, this teacher said, well, you know, are you going to go in, in, enter into education? He says, well, I don't think I'm smart enough because I don't spell well. And she said, spelling is not a sign of intelligence. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> but he really admired this person and thought, oh. And then, and then that, you know, there's a surprise. Yeah. And, it, and there's that moment of surprise. And then, uh, then there's that immediate Google search to make sense of that surprise. And uh, in, in the search bar is, are you intelligent? 
Well, and they get pages and pages and pages of, yes, I am. Yes, I, of course I am. Of course, you know, I've done this. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. Now, instead of approaching things with anxiety, mm. he just dismisses spelling as, you know, that's just something I'm not good at yet, or I don't care that much about. It's not that important. It's certainly not a sign of intelligence. Uh, I'll just go ahead and be intelligent. You know, yeah. That's not how we think. But that's what's going on in the brain. That's the brain saying, move forward. You're intelligent. All in a moment. Yeah. So, you know, when you were talking about confirmation bias, right, the, the same is true if you don't like someone, right? So um, if you didn't like Trudeau or Biden and you decided they're not good people, then your confirmation bias is to, to see all the things that make them not good. Is that correct? That, that's absolutely correct. And so does, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I doesn't that sort of bring up this sort of like philosophical question of like, what really is what is right. And it's all about the way we the lens through which we see the situation or a person. Is it not? It, it, it's totally true. And, you know, for instance, if you um, uh, let's use a uh, post President Trump as an example, because everybody knows about uh, President Trump, his followers believe everything he does is good. Yes. His detractors believe everything he does is bad. And is it's easy to find. Ep- and so if you watch Fox News, you're going to see uh, gloating about Trump. If you watch uh, uh, um, CBS or CNN you're going or- to see uh, you're going to see comments that oh, look what the, look what the idiot's doing now. But uh, and so we make our own reality because we have our belief from our experience that drive how we understand the world. And that's confirmation bias. We can't not have it. Right. We have an experience and then we, the experience drives what we believe. And then what we, we look for things that affirm us, because if we didn't, we wouldn't have survived. If you believe that uh, roadways are safe, and you walk across one and get killed by a car. Yeah. It's important to have beliefs. It's important to have beliefs that function properly and beliefs function properly with confirmation bias. Yeah. But yeah. confirmation bias becomes our friend. If you look at, it became Lori's friend. Mm-hmm. When she believes she's now exotic looking, great. But when I think of when I struggled as a mom in those early years, uh, my, you know, my belief was that my son ruins everything. And therefore, (laughs) right. I mean, look, I was in a bad place. Everybody who's heard my podcast knows all about about how, how much I struggled. And that's what I saw. That's what I saw. And so I was able to take that belief and let it go by replacing it with a brand new one. Uh, and the brand new one happens to be, we can work it out. And I use it to this day because my son is still very resistant to different things and, and, and that sort of thing. And so instead of fighting it, I accept it. And so I'd like to sort of pivot into the parenting piece now. How do you use this to help instill, I, I don't, whether it's confidence with your kids or a new belief in themselves or a belief for you about your child too. What a, what a great example. Uh, let, uh, you're okay if I use your example? Of course, yeah, go ahead. Well, sure. They, um, imagine 
uh, you have this son uh, he, uh, who uh, in, in the early years, and he looks like he's just wrecking everything, right? He's just a wrecking ball. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Very oppositionally defiant. Didn't listen. Very hyperactive. Um, yeah. <laughs> very, okay. yeah. Against everything that I suggested. <laughs> right. Okay. So what if, uh, what if, let's just run this scenario by you. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're going through this, you're going through this and uh, you're, it, because you think oh, he's just ruining everything. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, is that, those are the words you use, isn't it? Yep. You ruin everything. Yep. He, Every he, time he, we go out, anytime we want to do something fun together. Yeah. That was my belief. A hundred percent. Okay. So uh, let's say that uh, somebody uh, sees you with your son and sees your son just doing all these things that are driving you nuts. And this person says, wow, look at your son. He's got such a creative brain that he is into everything. That kid's gonna be an engineer. And walks, and then, and, uh, and this, is, this is somebody you don't even know. This is yeah. someone who looks there. And, and, and if that, now not all comments, surprise you if that comment surprises you mm. you now have to make sense of it yeah and then let me just let me let me spend a moment and tell you what actually happens neurologically okay in, in in someone's brain when they are surprised so um wolfgang schultz figured out in 2017 how phasic surprise he won the brain prize for this Mm. Uh, he, he found out how surprises work and uh, it's called phasic dopamine. Now, uh, now let's, call, let's look at dopamine, uh, an example of what dopamine is and how it works. Okay. For instance, um, let, let's say that you're a, you're, you're a five year, you're a six year old Robin, you're sitting there in uh, grade school and a teacher and, and you're looking at a math problem when you're trying to figure out math and uh, the teacher walks by and you're struggling a little bit with this question, the teacher walks by and says, wow, you sure struggle with math mm-hmm. and, you, and walks away. Mm-hmm. You don't know any better. You think, oh, I'm a kid who struggles with math. Right. So the next time, next math lesson, you well, I struggle with math. So you give up easily, right? And you don't like math. And then as the years progress, you give up easily. You don't try. Everybody says, Robin, you have so much potential. You could be really good at math if you just try. Well, your dopamine level, this is called tonic dopamine. That's, yeah. that's our motivating neurotransmitter. So yeah. your dopamine level is low. Anytime somebody mentions math, your dopamine level just drops a little bit. And you feel, oh, I'm not motivated. I'm not motivated. Really? I'm not motivated. And so you, if, because you're not motivated, you give up easily. Let's travel back to six-year-old Robin with the math teacher. And uh, you're struggling with math, same thing. But the teacher walks by and the teacher says, wow, you sure stick with it when you have a problem. That's the sign of a strong learner. (laughs) You don't know any better. You think, oh, when I stay with a problem, that's the signs of a strong learner. So now you have this new identity. 
right? Mm. So now when math comes up and you struggle, what do you do? Well, you try harder because that's who you are, right? So next you sort of, you can see how these beliefs perpetuate themselves, but we're talking about dopamine now, right? So now when the next, ne now next time you're struggling with math, instead of your dopamine dropping a little bit, your motivator neurotransmitter, mm. it rises a little bit and says, stick with it, girl. That's what, that's what strong learners do. So dopamine move, goes, drops a little bit. That's tonic dopamine, drops a little bit that's when you're unmotivated. And it rises just a little bit when you're motivated, when you see that donut, right? <laughs> I want that donut. <laughs> that's, your motive, that's your dopamine saying, ah, that'll be great. So tonic dopamine fluctuates all the time. And uh, that's why you make the choices you make all day long. It's your tonic dopamine say, I, I'll do, I, I want to, it motivates you to go to the gym. It motivates you to do whatever you want to do. Or it says, mm -hmm. stay away from this, stay away from this. I know this is a long explanation, but let's just travel back now to you with your son. Mm -hmm. And, and, the, and the, the passerby says, wow, that kid's creative. Look at him go into everything, turning it upside down. He's going to be an engineer. Here's what Wolfgang Schultz showed with surprise. Now, surprise is an error statement. Surprise is an error message to your brain saying what you believe is wrong. Interesting. Okay. Right. Because you you saw you saw a flying frog. Surprise is you're wrong. Frogs fly. So a surprise is an error statement. So Wolfgang Schultz shows us that a surprise is what's called phasic dopamine. Phase one is stop what you're doing, pay close attention. Your belief is wrong. With Lori's case, when her she overheard her aunt saying, "Your belief about being." ungraceful is wrong, you're exotic. So that's what happens in phase one. Uh, phase one, your belief is wrong, learn mm -hmm. instantly. Phase two is the tonic dopamine, says quickly form a new belief. This could be dangerous or it could be a great opportunity. Now your new belief is, oh, my son is creative and he's really quite smart and he's into everything, but that's a sign of creativity and ingenuity. Mm -hmm. hmm. And then you do this internal Google search, right? Yeah. And what do you find? Pages and pages of him being creative. And you just see the world differently now. And now that you see the world differently, mm -hmm. and he starts turning over paint cans and doing stuff, you say, oh, he's just being brilliant again. Uh, mm -hmm. How can I manage this rather than curb it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That changes everything. One comment, yeah. one little comment. I, I totally agree. I know, like, I, I, I can, I can feel the, you know, how the wheels are turning in in your head, you know, and how that right. happens in like a nanosecond almost, right? Or, yes. or even just a moment, like, oh, wait, like, oh, maybe he isn't a pain in the neck all the time. <laughs> oh, he's still a pain. He's still a pain in the neck. But, but. <laughs> because you're cleaning up after him and he's disagreeing, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, it's bang, bang, bang all the time. He's still a pain in the neck, but you see it differently and you mm -hmm. respond differently. And, you, you know, you're still going to roll your eyes and you're still going to get, you're still going to have those moments. But you see the world differently now. Mm -hmm. and, and the good stuff about it, you encourage. Yeah, yeah. 
So when I work with parents, right, a lot of, a lot of the times I'll ask them, okay, what is your most frustrating thing that your child does or behavior or thing that they say or do whatever. Um, and then I'll put them through uh, another line of questioning. Um, how does it make you feel? Right. What do you say to yourself about that? Right. And then I, I sort of hang around the, what do you say to yourself? Right. And it's usually like, here we go again, or um, I'm failing or, you know, this, this, this kid is, you know, or I'm done or, you know, whatever. Um, and then I ask them what it costs you. Right. And it costs them most of the time, everything, right. Because that's why I had to change that belief about myself, about my son, I should say, um, because it cost me too much. It cost me all my joy. It cost me, you know, being in the moment, you know, I was dreading all of these different things. And so, so I guess my question to you is um, if there isn't somebody saying, Oh, look, he's, he's an engineer or could be an engineer or whatever. How do you do it for yourself? And is that where you're going with this? <laughs> well, absolutely not. <laughs> That's okay, not where me. I'm going with this. And, and, and let me explain why, because that, that'll be informative. Um, you changed your belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, by listening to uh, that surprise comment changed your belief about your son, but it didn't change your belief about you. You're still the same person. You just see your son differently. Right. Right. uh, And, and and so there's an indirect uh, help helpfulness for your son, because now he has a mother who sees his activities as creative rather than destructive. Mm -hmm. Right. So it helped him indirectly, but it didn't change him either. Mm-hmm, right. So neither of you are changed. That's a surprise that created an environment where things um, developed, fostered. Okay. Now, uh, but those aren't the ones I, I can explain it, but that's not what I study. Okay. So, so for instance, uh, the ones I like are the ones like Lori, because it changed how she felt about herself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you as a parent so and this is how you uh this is advice i would give to parents Mm -hmm. i guess i am giving advice to parents right now (laughs) (laughs) you would and are (laughs) good so um for me i have a reading disability and i have adhd okay you know but i've I've learned to deal with that obviously because Mm -hmm. i I, you know i've done many things with my life and and I've accomplished more than most people would expect with somebody with a reading disability and ADHD. But my beliefs were not destructive, but I I didn't think I'd ever add up to anything as a kid. I I, I didn't read because I had a reading disability. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my dopamine level was low when it came to reading. Right. Right. You know, why waste your time there kind of thing. And then one day somebody said, uh, I said, why aren't you reading? I said, well, I can't, I can't, I'm not very good at it. You know, I, I have a reading disorder. And they said, well, people, and I said, you know, I have to reread passages and I get, you know, and I had, uh, I just lose interest. I get ADHD. So I'd, you know, I'd read something and then my mind would wander and then I'd have to reread it. And this, this clever teacher said to me, you know, people with reading disorders actually are the best readers because they have to focus so hard on reading that they learn well. 
<laughs> uh, so now we know your audience know how surprises work, right? Yeah. So now reading, I'm now instead of being a poor reader, my comprehension, I'm smarter than most people. Right. Okay. Now, are beliefs real and, and true? Do people with reading disorders actually read better? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the truth is out there. It, it, uh, um, no, the truth is in your head. The truth is in your head. I believe that my reading disorder helped me with my comprehension. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of confirmation bias, I see evidence of that everywhere. Right. So beliefs, beliefs don't have to be true. They just have to be functional. Right. And that's how beliefs formed. Beliefs formed so that you could function. Not right. that you, you could be the truth. Is Donald Trump or President uh, Biden or Pierre Trudeau, are they good or bad people? Well, there's no truth there, except the right. truth you bring to it, right? Right, right, no, totally. And I guess the, the, the point that I was making is really just that we do have those limiting beliefs for sure, which is what we've talked about. And so, so let's apply this to parenting. How do you suggest that we use this knowing about the way the dopamine works and our beliefs and, and that sort of thing? How, how can we create circumstances of surprise for, right. for the benefit of our kids? Right. How, so how do you use this strategically? Um, yeah. it's, it's whatever the kids are doing, uh, you want to encourage. Okay. You know, so if, if they're pouring paint cans all over the place and you're getting upset, they expect you to be upset, right? So mm -hmm. if you're not upset and you're surprised and you say, um, you know, I'm not endorsing destructive behavior. Sometimes kids are pouring over paint cans by accident. And so when you say, oh, wow, that's, that's got some creative ability or Boy, that shows a lot of interest in finding out answers to problems. And so what, because they're doing something and if you put a positive spin on it, that becomes a belief. Mm -hmm. so no okay. matter what you get, turn it to a positive spin. Let me give you an example. Um, I was asking Natasha where her love for music came. She was a, she was a music teacher and she said, well, I, hmm, I don't know. And then she thought for a minute and she said, oh, when I was about seven years old, my grandma died and my mom and I were going to the house to clean it out. And so it was sad. My mama was very sad. And, uh, but I'm a seven-year-old kid. And so we go into the house and my, mom's, my mama said, don't go in grandma's room. So, oh, all right. So I'm running around. So she says, so she's running around playing outside. And then she goes inside because she's bored and she's looking around and then, you know, don't go in grandma's room. <laughs> so she's running around looking at knickknacks and I wonder what's in grandma's room. She's already forgotten. You're not supposed to go in there. Or maybe she hasn't quite forgotten. But so she goes into grandma's room and she's looking at all the pretty scarves and everything and the jewelry. And she's sitting down and putting on the scarves and the jewelry and all that. And she sees a harmonica. So she picks up the harmonica and she starts playing it and blowing on it and, you know, and, and being rhythmical with the harmonica. And her mom walks in and then she remembers, oh, I'm not supposed to be in here. And she fears the wrath of her mother. 
Right. And her mother says, <laughs> it's still hard. Her mother said, <clears throat> wow, you have a taste of music, just like your grandma. Mm. You play that so well. Oh. And she, and then, and then she tells me as an adult, you know, I've never traced it back to that moment, but it feels right. I think that's when I first got my love of music. Mm. So when you think about it, she was surprised. There's that phasic right. dopamine, right. you know, the surprise. She expected the wrath. Now this, mm. this is this is good for parents. When your kids expect the wrath, point out something positive. Mm. Okay, this, okay. This is, what you do. this is what you do, parents. When they expect your wrath, find something positive. But go ahead and punish them after or whatever, right? But <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got some ideas about that. But anyway, you go. You, you do your part. <laughs> That's another show, right? <laughs> but whatever they expect, do the opposite. And if they think if they think they're weak at something, point out the opposite, where the strength mm. lies in that, right? For, you know, mm. I thought I was a weak reader. Somebody pointed out the strength of being a weak reader means my comprehension is up through the roof. So okay, let me, let me, can I throw out a couple of uh, sure. examples of behavior that I hear that parents don't like, and uh, you tell me how to spin it. And I kind of was picking up also, you, you said it. So, so I've got two questions for you. First is I want to, I want to just revisit sort of the equation that you said that I call an equation because my brain wants to make sense of this, right? So I'm trying to like, look, look for this. So you said behavior plus positive spin, right? Equals, what is that? Like a change or the surprise or the dopamine? Like what, what would you say it equals? Or is it not as simple as that? <laughs> um, well, you've, uh, yeah, we have a cognitive urge to simplify. Right. To Right. So, so um, it, it is very complex what you're asking, but I will do my best just to address the simplicity uh, of the nuances involved here. And uh, yes, w when this becomes habitual, it is simple and it is elegant. And mm -hmm. so, you know, practice these things. They'll seem a little awkward and unwieldy at first, but you know, if you start to look at the world as opportunities to uh, not correct behavior, but notice what's really good about the behavior, mm -hmm. you have opportunities to develop mindsets that perpetuate themselves. Mm. So if you see somebody who's a really aggressive, uh, you know, what are some, what are some positive indicators of aggressiveness? Uh, what can be positive about being aggressive? Uh, having a good sense of their environment, right? Mm -hmm. So the way you, the way you're quick to react you know, uh, and then finish that sentence. Right, right. So the way you're quick to react can, the way you're quick to react is going to help you make friends. The way you're quick to react is going to help you uh, learn well, learn quickly. So what do you want for your child? And, yeah. and you know, so for instance, if you want, if your son was pouring over paint cans and, you know, being crazy and, and uh, or being oppositional defiant and so oppositional defiant um that's strong-willed right yeah you really that's stand positive, up for yourself strong -willed. so you say wow your strong will will help you and it, and finish that sentence with anything you want mm -hmm. positive your strong will will help you learn when it's a good time to agree and disagree 
So now it's a skill. If, mm -hmm. if you surprised your son with that comment, mm -hmm. he now has a new belief. Phase one, surprise, what? I expected mom to growl at me. Phase two, oh yeah, it's, it, my, op, my defiance is a tool. So, because everything people do is a tool to get what they want. It's right. your job to mm -hmm. find something positive and productive. And if they're used to it being labeled as destructive, label it, label the positive aspect of it, and then it becomes a tool. Okay, so here's back to the, the question I wanted to sort of throw some stuff at you. What if you see your teenager um, asking for a friend, uh, lying around, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. It's not, not, this is what I hear a lot. Right. And I, I witnessed it too, because my kids are teenagers, but like lying around and for lack of a better word, being lazy, let's say, right. Um, how would you suggest we, we turn that into something different? Okay. Well, um, let me say that first of all, that if your goal is to instantly change somebody's behavior, you're doomed because it's, then it sounds manipulative. And right. it, we, we all fight manipulative comments, right? Exactly. It, you know, it's, uh, it's instinct. What is that person doing? Why are they saying that? It right? sounds like BS mom. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it does. But if what you are, if you sincerely believe like I do that you're setting seeds for future growth, for enriching lives, mm -hmm. then what you're doing is you're just setting seeds and you hope, and if you set a seed and it surprises them, you've set it, it's in there. It just needs time to grow. Sometimes it grows immediately. And uh, I've got you know lots of examples in my books when in my book, when you, you can see the evidence and you see it immediately. But many times it takes a long time. Like Natasha didn't know where her love for music came until uh, you know, I asked her like 35 years later or 30 years later, and she, oh, you know, I never thought of that. Mm. So we don't always recognize these moments. So your your your, your child, your teenagers lounging around. Why are they lounging? Uh, are, are they thinking? Are they wasting time? No, uh, lounging around is is they're not motivated. So uh, they're lacking something. So what's your so they're lounging around. They're trying to find out what's interesting they're trying to find mm. their way so name it that way i like you know, that you're lounging around finding your way is building energy so that when you attack it you're gonna be voracious <laughs> you're just gathering all of your energy to just blow the world away uh <laughs> as soon as you're ready you're just yeah. Yeah, avoid sarcasm yeah no i know i know right I know. see that's why it's tricky right yeah because it's got to be okay. authentic it's got to be your belief right right yeah yeah, yeah yeah right you have to believe it so if you believe lounging around yeah robin you and i lounge around but when we lounge around we're taking a break now, yeah. when your teenage son or daughter does it <laughs> for months on, on end and they aren't getting a job, uh, trying to find ways to get them out there to get motivated, uh, it's not going to work. They need to find that way, right? So you say, hey, you're, uh, you're, you're, your ability to think so deeply about what you're going to do with the rest of your life is pretty exciting. Mm. Right? Now, if you frame it that way, 
now they're thinking about what they're going to do with the rest of their life. And uh, if that's their new belief, great. That's a lot better than saying you ought to play music. You ought to, you know, go to take this class. You're going to be good. Yeah, that's a matter. That's just driving their mindset. It will perpetuate itself. And you may not know this ever happened. Right, right. Okay, so let's sort of end on some, uh, some sort of just, I, 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 and I know it's complicated, but just, you know, some sort of tips, like, you know, what are the nuances to do this effectively? You know, what are the best times? Is it when your child is looking frustrated that you can turn that around for them? If it's something they struggle with, that's a good opportunity. Like I, uh, I want to just sort of get some real clarity for the, for the parents listening, when to do it, when your kids are the most receptive uh, and just, you know, what to really do. Great. Yeah. Uh, very good. Because there are, there are uh, lots of little nuances about how to do this. And uh, one, of them, uh, one of the things you can do is you remember that um, Lori, who thought she was ungraceful and odd looking, she overheard her aunt's comment. Yes. Okay. So uh, if you can intentionally name mm-hmm. a skill or an aptitude that you think your son or daughter has or should develop or might want to develop, you can comment in a way that they hear it, comment to your spouse or your friend or somebody in a way that you think they might hear it or leave a little note that they're not supposed to see. And, you know, you can talk about, wow, he, he says he hates math, but boy, his, the way he understands patterns is very math-like, mm-hmm. you know, and person overhears that goes, oh, maybe there's more to math than I thought, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, comments uh that are overheard yeah and to be meaningful and what makes them meaningful is because they sound like facts right 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 they don't sound like the glossy oh you're gonna be great son you're gonna be wonderful daughter um which is the other little nuance when you say something to somebody to note a strength or an aptitude that you think they can develop or should develop then say it as a fact and say it as if they already have it. There's the little nuance. Your son, he, you know, he's already creative. You're not making him, you're not saying you'll be creative one day, saying you're already creative. Here's the evidence. Mm-hmm. Right? And you got to say it like it's a fact because, it, and then the other tip for mom and dad out there don't explain it. Mm. You don't explain the tip you just gave. And here's the important reason why. Because part of a surprise is the meaning-making process. When you surprise your son or your daughter about they didn't think they were creative, they didn't think they had leadership abilities. And then one day you say, wow, your ability to pay so close attention to detail makes you a strong leader. What? And they didn't think they were a good leader, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you name something they already have. And now they have to make sense of that. And in the act of making sense, they own it. If you describe why they don't own it, then it's just a detail. They can brush you off. Because they got to do their own Google search, right? right. They got to figure it out. <laughs> you got it, girl. Hey, they, um, yeah. So it's important to not explain. Uh-huh. And, and if they say, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? That's, that means they heard you just walk away so long, you know, 
Uh, and then go pick up a phone or go do something. Just get out of there. Let They will have to make sense of it. And mm. in the act of making sense with their Google search, they will own it and become it. it. may happen tomorrow, the next day, or like Natasha, you know, just grow into a, a love of music and become a music teacher. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, this is really, this is really great, really different than anything that I've talked about before. And like, I'm a total geek for the brain. And I talk about the brain all the time when it comes to parenting, um, because we need to understand the way our kids' brains work in order to be able to parent them appropriately, because they don't have a fully grown brain either. But we need to understand how dopamine works, how cortisol works, right? How all of this stuff works. And um, so you, you have some really special stuff for us uh, in the parent toolbox. You've got a couple of fun things and then you've got something really, really great, which is um, surprise the neurological spark to personal transformation. So this is a booklet here that you have for us. And so you talk about the neuroscience of surprise, using surprise, enriching lives through surprise, um, which is uh, we can all use surprise purposely, um, sparking surprise, do the opposite, sparking surprise, note what others miss. So um, you really, if it, you know, this is a great start and, and what you've given us for the parent toolbox is going to round it out really nicely. So I just wanna say thank you so much for that because I think this is something to have in our tool belts as parents that we didn't know that we could have before. And, and there's sort of some instinct there that says like, oh yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. When you, when you explain it, you know, that we kind of, I can, I can, I can immediately agree with you because it sounds like it, it just, I, I've experienced it. I get it. I, I, I hear it. And so, um, so I just want to say thank you for that. And then you've got a, a, a fun quiz and you have this other really cool word scramble uh, that I want everybody to read because it is, I'm not, I'm going to leave it as a surprise, but I think you, you sent it to me and I loved it and I was able to read it. I don't want to brag, uh, but uh, <laughs> It just speaks to the way your mind works, right? This whole jumble scramble word, words that literally, if you look at it, is gibberish. But when you actually take a second, you can read what it says, right? Any last words that you'd like to share with the audience uh, before before we sign off? Oh yes, yes I do, and thank you, thank you for inviting me to the show. And I I want to leave uh, with this that um, <clears throat> a, few, a few little passing comments. Number yeah. one is whatever your positive beliefs are about yourself, they're real. Mm. Whatever negative beliefs you have about yourself are typically something that somebody's imposed on you improperly. They are wrong. That is not you. Mm. Also, if you're, uh, if you want to use surprise strategically to manipulate behavior, it's not going to work. Right. If you're going to use surprise strategically to enrich lives, you, you've got a wonderful, fulfilling life and opportunity ahead of you. Hmm. And lastly, there is a downside. And the downside is surprise works the other way too. If you surprise somebody, if they expected you to be excited about something and you surprise them with a, a destructive comment, hmm. that hurts. Okay. And it hurts dramatically more because one of the things surprises do is they magnify the emotions that follow. That's why we like to surprise our friends because with a gift, 
because we know the gift is much more exciting if it's a surprise. And, that, and so mm. just try to curb your negative comments. Mm. Be, dist- be constructive all the time. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.